Nehemiah chapter 6. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? And I tell you what, I, I, I always love Thanksgiving because in Thanksgiving, that's where we gather together. Uh, we're, we always go around the table thank, sharing something that we're thankful for. And I tell you what, there is so much to be thankful for. Year 2020, for many of you, just like me, has been so hard in so many different ways. But I want you to know, church, God has been good to you. God has poured out his loving kindness in so many different ways. Let's just always remember that, all right? Nehemiah chapter 6. As you're turning there, I want you to uh, imagine with me if, if you have ever seen the movie The Greatest Showman. It's a musical, and <clears throat> it stars Wolverine, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> he is P.T. Barnum, that is Phineas Barnum. And he grows up, and as a little kid, he's very poor, kind of kicked to the curb poor, if you will. He's one of those outcasts in society. He rubs shoulders, or at least his dad does, with the wealthy. But there's always this great divide between the wealthy and the poor, between those that his dad serves and his family. And this, this leaves this sense of hurt that he bears and there's one time in which he steals something. He's caught and beaten, thrown to the ground, and he's left empty. He's hungry. And a young girl, we don't know how old she is, but she's deformed. And she offers him an apple. And at that moment, a vision in his heart begins to crystallize. He wants to see those who are the misfits, the outcasts of society, to find this sense of value in who they are. And so he puts together a circus. At least that's what the critic, who really doesn't like this, calls it. And so P.T. Barnum calls it the P.T. Barnum Circus. He likes the idea. And what it is, it's a vision to be able to see those who are misfits find a way to present their value to society. It's an endearing story. I'm going to come back to it in just a moment, though. What I want you to do is I want you to write down on a piece of paper there something, maybe a few things, that you believe God has called you to. I want you to write down on a piece of paper, if you can. I realize we don't have uh, an announcement, she's bulletins, but if you have a piece of paper, I want you to write down on that piece of paper something or some things that you believe that God has genuinely called you to. All right? One, two, maybe three things, but at least one. Now, I can remember when Zach was courting Kate. And years ago, he would love to hold babies in his arms. And he would, there was always this huge smile. There was something in his heart. He longed to have children one day. Now, I knew my daughter. She wanted to have children. He want, she wanted to have a lot of children. She loved children. So together, they had this vision, this sense of call to have children and to raise them in a way so that the fire of Christ would become so evident in their lives, that fire would catch others on fire. And so they had this vision of raising world changers. Many of us had that same vision. I can remember when Kate, 
uh, it's, this is from Father's Day. It says, June 21st, 2015, Happy Father's Day, Russell, Russell Caleb Nolet, three months. And it says, Daddy, I want to walk in your footsteps. Love, Rusty. And what it is is a picture, an outline of Zach's footprint, and inside of it are Rusty's two little teeny tiny footprints. Can you see that? I love it. It hangs in their sunroom, but it helps portray this vision that beats in Zach's heart and in Kate's as well, that he wants to see his children follow in his footsteps. Now, I want to ask you, what are, what are, what, what's your vision? What is your goal, your call, so to speak? I'm going to suggest to you that whatever that call is, the enemy wants to distract you from that call. Now, if you're familiar with the movie Up, do you remember the dogs as they're focused and suddenly they yell squirrel and they all turn this way? That's what the enemy constantly wants to whisper in your ear. Squirrel! And you're like this, and you're distracted. Now, some of you this morning find yourselves distracted. There's really something, there's a sense of call of God on your life for something or several things. I'm going to suggest that throughout your life, it will be many things that God will call you to. I love being a husband and being a dad. I could not imagine doing anything else or being anywhere else than with my family. That is my favorite thing. Whether it's just watching my kids who love to laugh, talking with one, with one another, enjoying each other's company, or if it's just sitting there silent watching an action movie. I love it. I love being with my family. What is the vision that you have? And may I suggest to you that regardless of what it is, the enemy desires to distract you from it. Nehemiah is no different. Nehemiah had a vision, and the enemy was trying to distract him from it. I want us to read about that. I want us to ask ourselves, are there distractions in my life? No, 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 no. Not Pastor Mike's life, but your life. You understand what I'm saying, right? Are there distractions in my life? And how can your call become distraction-proof? I believe Nehemiah's was. Something crystallized in his heart to make him distraction-proof. I want us to read about that. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to read just the first four verses. That's it. Here we go. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of their en our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the gates in, excuse me, the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. In verse 15 of that same chapter, it says, So the wall was completed 
on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. The wall was completed. The doors set in place in the gates on their hinges. Completed. In, this begin- in the beginning of this chapter, what we see is Nehemiah has worked and his men have worked so hard that the wall is now completed. The gates just are not hung yet. The enemy realizes that if they can distract him, if they can stop the work now and the gate's not set in place, they can still storm the city whenever they want and keep that city under threat. Nehemiah realizes the significance, the importance of this moment before the wall is completed and the enemy is focused, very focused right now. I would venture to say that in your life, regardless of what that call is, the enemy at times in your life will get very, very focused. And here, it is so focused, he is trying to distract and pull Nehemiah away. Pull him away and distract him from building and finishing that wall, continuing as he was seeking to do. But I believe that Nehemiah was distraction-proof. It says four times. That means that this was serious, that it was constant. There were potential consequences, though, should he give in. Verse 8 of chapter 4 says that that the people, the enemies, were trying to stir up trouble. To be distracted would mean more trouble. In verse 12 of that same chapter, it says that they will attack us. And in verse 11, it says they will kill us. In verse 3 here, at the very, excuse me, at the very end of verse 2, it says, but they were scheming to harm me. This is their plot. So I want you to understand what Nehemiah is up against here. If he gives in, he will be hurt and the project stopped. If he doesn't give in and they're constantly coming to him, This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. He is concerned for the welfare of the people. And at this point, he has to make a a decision. He is going to remain steadfast and focused on what God has called him to. He is going to make this choice to trust God that not only does he have the right vision, but that God will bring the provision. God will bring the protection This is God's doing and not his. And I'm going to tell you right now that God in your vision, in this call on your life, whatever those things or that thing is, you are going to be coming up against opposition and there are going to be points at which you will find yourself overwhelmed and having to trust God no matter what. You will have to trust him to be able to see anything accomplished. It can seem so fragile at times. And for Nehemiah, he was focused, so focused, distraction-proof. But it's fair enough to ask, how was he distraction-proof? Now, maybe you've not seen this before. I want you to turn now, keep your fingers there in chapter 4, but I want you to go, skick, 6 rather, I want you to go back to chapter 1. This is where the initial vision or the initial call is given to Nehemiah. His brother Hanani comes to him from Jerusalem. 
And he is in the Persian Empire. As his brother comes to him, he asks, how is Jerusalem? How are the exiles? Because understand, maybe about 70, 80 years ago, the exiles had gone back to uh, Jerusalem. And he asks him, how are they doing? And he said, and Hanani tells him this in verse 3. He says, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I'm going to suggest to you that the very first thing that we see here is that the focus is on Jerusalem. Your call is going to have to do, it's going to have to have something to do with the kingdom of God. It's not going to be about just a thing. If it's about a thing, then that thing will impact people. Because things are not eternal, people are. So in this in this very first concept or, or this very first thing that God uses to build this vision in Nehemiah, it is not about a thing, even though we would think, well, it's, it's about building a wall. Isn't that a thing? But there's a reason why he has to do it, because the people are in disgrace. They're open to destruction. They're open for Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, to be wiped out. Ultimately, it's about people. Your call ultimately is about people and not just a thing. Number two, there's a sense of significance to this call. He's got to build this wall to preserve the people. He's got to build this wall to protect them from further assault. And so there's a sense of significance. For you, this call has a sense of significance. If you ever come to a point in which you feel like your call is worth nothing, if the call that God has called you to will not impact people, when the enemy comes and he robs you of that hope, you will lose your joy. You will lose your focus. You will lose your vision, and you will want to give up. So I'm going to tell you this right now. The enemy knows the significance of what you're called to, and he wants to rob you of it. He wants to discourage you. The third thing is that there is an emotional investment. There's an emotional investment in this call. It says that he wept, he mourned, he he fasted and he prayed. Nehemiah was invested emotionally in these people. He, he loved them. He wanted to see them safe, secure. He wanted to see the nation of Israel continue on and not be destroyed. And I'm going to tell you this, that whatever God has called you to, you need to have an emotional investment for Zach and Kate. There's an emotional investment in this. And here's how I know this. Among other things, when Zach shares with me some potential distractions, some struggles, just being a dad, 
many times he'll tear up, if not cry. Because there's an emotional investment. He loves his children. And I'm going to tell you this, that when you stop loving the people that God has called you to, you will lose vision and you will become distracted and you will move off course. Let me just repeat these three things then. There needs to be a focus on the kingdom. It's an eternal perspective. Number two, there's a significance to this call because it's not about a thing, it's about people. That is what God has called you to and there is an emotional investment. What you're called to has to do with the kingdom. It's significant. And I pray that it really tugs at your heart. But it's got to be about others and not you. And God is going to have to show you. Is it about you or is it really about others? If you're being distracted, then that distraction will undermine at least one of these characteristics, one of these three characteristics of a call. I know that for Zach and Kate, their desire is to see the fire of Christ ignited in his children and that that fire in them will eventually catch others on fire. What is your vision? How does it engage you? I want you to look at that piece of paper. And if there are some distractions, something that is impacting one of those three things, characteristics of a call, I want you to write that down. <coughs> In The Greatest Showman, P.T. Barnum's initial vision was to see those who were misfits, those who were kind of outcasts of society, impact society. And for them, it was a show or a circus. Tremendous talent and gifts in these people that society had rejected. It really is a heartwarming and heart-tugging story. But P.T. Barnum gets distracted. There is something inside of him, a brokenness, that begins to show. In his desire when he was a kid to have, to, to be equals, even with the wealthy, he had become wealthy. His show, however, appealed to a certain type of society. He wanted it to appeal to the wealthy as well. And so he changed his vision. And as a result, he lost everything because the man had gotten destroyed, had gotten distracted. And in the midst of losing everything, he sits down at the end. And I'm not going to go into any more detail than this. But as he's sitting down, the critic that he just despised sat down next to him. And he says, you know, it seemed like the people really seemed to love your show, even though I didn't. I would even call it a celebration of humanity. And P.T. Barnum said, I like that. Can I just add something that really, and see, this is the world's best attempt to have a vision for people. 
But in this vision of people, even the vision that you have that includes people, those people are broken. And really, this is more than just a celebration of humanity. It is a celebration of God's grace poured out upon a broken humanity that God's heart is to win them to himself. And you're a part of that. Maybe it's raising children. And I tell you what, that can be so hard sometimes. You just feel like you want to throw the towel in at times. You're discouraged. And I'm going to encourage you, if this morning you're discouraged, go back to those three things and cry out to the Lord to stir those three things back up in your heart. For Nehemiah, though, he was focused. Those three things were set in his heart, and as if nothing, and there's more to come that we're, we're going to look at later in the chapter, but nothing can pull him away from that goal. Building for us, building the kingdom of God. P.T. Barnum realized that he had really been distracted. And he had forgotten or left behind that original vision that for him was so important. His wife asks him, what's wrong with you? Everything you ever wanted is right in front of you. Why are you distracted? That's my question. If you're distracted this morning, why are you distracted? You see, the vision that God has given you is not about a thing. It's about a people. It is about a celebration of the grace of God poured out upon those people that are part of that vision, that call that God has put on your heart. Many calls. Whatever that call might be it, will be, it will be about people, broken people, that God is wanting to reach with his love, with his redemptive grace to call them back and heal the brokenness in their heart. Perhaps I would word it better. Instead of a celebration of humanity, it's a celebration of God's grace poured out upon humanity in the brokenness of the image of God in them, that God's grace can heal and bring out so much beauty as Christ radiates through them. You see, Satan's tactic usually is to replace a call to people with a call to a thing. Many times, that thing is our reputation. For P.T. Barnum it was. For King David it was. His goal was to be able to, to build this kingdom of God, which was about people. But, many, but he came to a point in which he had secured his borders. He was successful in all of his battles against the nations around him. He was filled with pride. And it became more about himself then it was about the call of God to shepherd the people. Remember, as a shepherd, God called him out of the sheep field to be a shepherd of his people. And he was failing because now it was about him. He stumbles into sin with Bathsheba, has her husband killed, and now he's confronted by Nathan the prophet. Because David had become distracted. 
It was no longer about the people. It was about him. And so my question to you is, are you distracted this morning? The devil, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the devil was whispering in Jesus' ear, squirrel, trying to distract him. Jesus could have called down a legion of angels. Jesus could have just said, this pain, this agony, and not just the physical agony, but the spiritual agony, the weight upon his soul that I can't even begin to describe. But Jesus was distraction-proof. His focus was the eternal kingdom of God. It was all about people. He realized that what he was accomplishing on the cross had eternal significance. Even though the enemy would come and try and work against the kingdom of, of light, the kingdom of darkness would eventually fail as the kingdom of light would begin to spread throughout the world. The knowledge of the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the seas, Scripture says. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus was emotionally invested. God so loved. Jesus laid down his life because he loved the sheep. Hebrews tells us this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I want us to, I want to call you back to whatever God has called you to. What is that? Have you gotten distracted? Is the enemy whispering in your ear? I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. God's kingdom is eternal. And when we grasp that eternal perspective, it changes the way we see life. It changes everything. I'm going to encourage you. Like Nehemiah, be focused, distraction-proof. Your call is about people. It's eternal. It has significance. And I'm going to just, I'm going to say this, that maybe what has happened in our heart is something to do with loving the people God has called us to. Maybe God has called you to go make disciples. And as you're seeking to do that at your workplace, it has become about superficial relationships. I know this. That when relationships are superficial, when they don't reveal needs, when conversations remain on the surface and don't reveal the heart, it is hard to truly fall in love with the people you're called to. When things are on a business level, it's hard. I'm going to encourage you. Let God stir up that love for the people that you work with. Let God stir up that heart for your family again. Let God stir up the heart for your neighbor. What it is that God has called you to, let him stir up a love for those people. Allow it to go beyond the superficial. And that's going to happen when they start revealing needs. You're going to be amazed. In conversations with coworkers, as, they, as you begin to ask them some questions, not being invasive, but just asking them questions, and they begin to reveal some of their hurts, you're going to find 
that, is, that there is a longing inside of you, the love of Christ that compels you to want to see Jesus do something about that. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to move you past the superficiality of the relationships. That can happen to any of us. During COVID, it's so easy for that to happen. During this time, God needs to call us back once again. The kingdom of God is about people. People. Can you stand with me? Last week I had mentioned that joy and hope are integrally intertwined. And if the enemy can rob you of hope, he will rob you of your joy. This morning I'm talking about hope. I'm talking about this thing, this burden, this vision that God has put in your heart. The enemy wants to rob you of that. And by robbing you of that, rob you of the joy that comes from the Spirit of God in you. Father, I, I just ask you right now that you would be speaking to our hearts. Father, if we've kind of lost our way, would you call us back again to who you are? You're the God that poured out his love upon people. You looked upon the brokenness of the, your creation. And your heart broke for them. And you began to form a plan, as it were, to call and redeem broken mankind. Father, I just ask you, bring our vision, our focus back to you. Jesus, it's about you. And if we've been distracted for any number of reasons, just bring us back to that place where once again it's about you, God. The king of this kingdom. If we feel robbed of joy or robbed of hope this morning, call us back to Jesus. Call us back to that vision of the cross. That he endured the cross for the joy set before him. The people that he was to die for and rescue, redeem. I just ask you this morning, Father. Fill our hearts once again with that overwhelming love. For the people you came to die for. Would you do this, God? Would you renew, would you revive our spirit again? I just thank you, Lord, because I know in doing that, you're going to well up within us this joy, this overwhelming joy that will overtake us. That's the nature of living for Jesus. Do this for us, God. Revive our souls and encourage our hearts as we again focus on you, Jesus, and what you even came for broken humanity that they would at some point reflect who you are please God 
the answers in Jesus' name.